just, uh, as Brother Tony said, man, spring, praise the Lord. It feels like we just got done with um, Snowmageddon or whatever it's called, Snowclips, but <laughs> praise God, the, uh, uh, the spring is here, and uh, I do believe that God is uh, going to do great things uh, in our church and through our church. We've been praying for it, and uh, again, I think that we are uh, unique in so many different ways. If you're a guest, thank you for being our guest. I hope that you'll stop by the Welcome Center. If you're a first-time guest, we have a gift for you. And uh, we want to just be a blessing to you, answer any questions that you may have. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 8. And uh, we are continuing this study about the church. And um, last week, we only got one of our of the two points. So this week is point two is going to be point one. Uh, so it's very important that we see what we were talking about last week. But uh, Stephen, the, uh, the first martyr of the Christian church, uh, if you will, of course Jesus was the, the, the founder of the church. He's the, the, um, the chief cornerstone, Scripture says. He's uh, the one who's over the church, the head of the church. Uh, he died for the church, of course. But Stephen now is the first one who gives his life as a follower of Jesus Christ. And uh, he was simply preaching the gospel. He gave the, the truth to this group of religious fanatics who were off base, and they, they didn't like what he had to say. Matter of fact, they, they gnashed on him with their teeth, they stopped their ears, they, they took him out of the city, they stoned him, and again, his death um, was a, a, a beautiful picture. I mean, it wasn't, uh, we don't get the gruesome details about what the stones were doing to his skull, or what um, his body or, or how, how many bones were, were broken in the process of him being stoned to death, uh, what we do get is a beautiful picture of what he was doing in the midst of this gruesome death. And that was, he was seeing Jesus Christ at the right hand of, of the throne of God. Uh, looking up into heaven, seeing Jesus Christ, and again, I, I, as much as I try to feel like we're headed that direction, it's hard for me to imagine us as Christians in America being at that place, being at that level, that if you share the gospel with somebody, whether it's on the street or, or whether it's at your job or, or wherever, that some, they, could, they could take you out in the street and stone you to death, and everybody would be okay with that. There would be no murder charges. Uh, there would, it would just be simply justice in the hands of, of, of people. Um, I, I, I can't imagine that, but I, I believe it's important for us to determine right now to value Christ above all. No, value him above our lives, value him above what we know as our lives on this earth, what we hold dear to us. Again, that was the, the, the point that we, Jesus Christ is the great reward. So we ask the question, how could someone like Stephen, who we could assume had a family, we could assume had a way of providing for his family. We could assume had a home, had some, some possessions. We see him following Christ to death, giving everything up, leaving maybe his family, his home, his stuff, his job, everything that he knew as his life, leaving it behind because he valued Christ above all. And I shared a couple of very important, I think, statements last week. And just as a reminder, the first statement that I said as, as we wrapped up was, if your faith isn't strong enough to bring you to gather faithfully, just a simple gathering of the people of God to worship him, 
If it's not strong enough to do that in a time of freedom, then why would we believe that it would be strong enough when our freedom was gone? If, if, if we can't say, man, we are so privileged and so blessed, I'm going to gather with the saints of God every time it's possible. Because not every one of my brothers and sisters have that freedom. Not every one of my brothers and sisters has the amazing blessings of, of freely gathering without fear or persecution. And, and, and my time on this earth is limited. And, and I only have a short amount of time to, 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 to be a, a source of encouragement and to use the gifts that God has given me in the church so that the church is built up and Jesus Christ is glorified. I only have a short amount of time to do that. So I am going to faithfully gather every time that the saints of God gather together. And if we, don't, if, we're, if we can't do that when we have absolute, seemingly absolute freedom right now, then when that freedom is gone, what makes us think that we're going to be determined to gather faithfully whenever it becomes a threat to your job, a threat to your home, a threat to your way to provide, a threat to your way of living? And the, the step beyond that is if our faith isn't strong enough, for us to share the gospel in a time of freedom when you can invite your coworker to work you can invite your neighbor and share the gospels you can go to a stranger and, and you can do those things you can talk to your family member without fear of them turning you into the authorities or or reporting to to, to the, uh, the, the 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 legal authorities to to imprison or to sue you or whatever if we're not faithfully sharing our faith now when it's free to do so then whenever it becomes a persecuted act, why would we think that we would do it then? The first church was leaving this type of legacy for their kids. There were no doubt there were kids, there were, there were teenagers that saw Stephen give his life for the great reward of Jesus Christ. There's no doubt that, that there were kids and, 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 and teenagers, I believe, watching the horror and crying in horror. So, so that was... That must have traumatized them. I believe it was leaving a legacy for that next generation that there's nothing on this earth worth not dying for Jesus Christ. So that next generation saw that Jesus Christ is the great reward and, and, and so proven in laying down his life. Stephen laying down his life for that call. No matter what it costs. That's what that next generation saw. And the question that came to my mind as I was getting ready for this week is, is what kind of legacy are we leaving for these kids and these teens? The kids in your home, what, the, the grandkids in your life, what type of legacy are they seeing of us, from us, in following Jesus Christ? What do they see? Is, is their only interpretation following jesus is that we say that we're christians and then we show up for church most of the time because when the rubber meets the road and persecution comes to the church i just don't know if that is going to hold water i just i just don't know if, if if that's really what we see throughout church history what we're seeing in this first church we're seeing an absolute jesus christ is lord of all not just Lord of, uh, of, of one day or Lord of some of my life, but Lord of all of my life and Lord of every single day. For the last couple decades, droves and droves of professing believers have taught 
their kids that Christ is valuable, his body, his people, his body, his church, unless something more appealing in the world comes along. For decades, this has been the case. Jesus Christ is important. Son, daughter, grandchild, know that Jesus Christ is God. He's important. You should live your life for him and not for the world. You, sh you, should, you should worship him. You should go to church unless something in the world comes along. But that's okay. If it does, because he understands. I don't believe that's the kind of following that Jesus said it was all about. And not as a course of life. If this is what the church has become, if this is what believers have become, that Jesus Christ is important unless something in the world or even something in your flesh says, I'm not going to do that, but that's okay because Jesus understands. I, I don't see that in Scripture. I, I don't see anywhere in Scripture where it's, it's not a big deal. God understands. Where? Where is it? Please show me. If you know, please show me after service. I would love to see where, where that's understandable. Well, what I do find in Scripture is that we are to redeem the time because the days are evil. That we are not to forsake assembling. That we are to preach the gospel to every creature. There, there is no allocation for the Christian life on this earth to say, I'm not going to do that this time because God understands. And that's okay. I, I, there's not there. What we see is, is a legacy left like we see in Stephen. Valuing Christ above all. Living, not, not professing or, or having in a mindset, but actually living like he is our God that we worship, that we bow down to, that, that we live our life the course of, that, that as he said even in the Ten Commandments, you shall have no other gods before me. Not even your own life, not even your own kids, not even your own grandkids, not even your job, not even your recreation time, not anything else. You, have, you should have no other gods before me. And we have to make sure that we are the church. If we are the anchor leg, if we are the last church before Jesus returns, we've got to be sure that, that we're at least matching up to the, to, to the, the beginning leg. We at least look like this first church. Because that's the way it started. If we don't finish as strong as they started, what does that say about us? Maybe that we've become intoxicated with comfort. Maybe we've become intoxicated with our own selfish lifestyle. Maybe that's us. I don't want that for us. I don't want that for me. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for this church. I want us to stand before the Lord one day and him say to every single member of this church, well done, good, and faithful servant i don't want us to blend into the world i don't even want us to look like the rest of christianity if the rest of christianity looks like the world i want us to look like what jesus called us to be his people the building of god let's pray father thank you for this time thank you for all that you do and the challenge that you've given to my heart and the challenge i believe you've given to our church I pray that we wouldn't just allow this time to pass us by. Hear some words spoken here. Your word read. But God, this would be a moment in our lives where we're impacted by your spirit, by your word, and, and things change, Lord. That we walk out of this place and something is different. 
our thinking, our hearts, our desires, our life. God, if we need to rededicate our lives, maybe we've just been kind of coasting in our Christian life. I pray today would be a day of recommitting, a rededication. If we're, if we're missing the point of even being on this temple earth right now, being wrapped up in this, this world and even good things, blessings that you've given us, but we're not worshiping you and putting you first above all. God, show us that and help us change. And help us to respond to your word and again, redeem this time. We'll praise you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. I urged this last week again in, in, in the close of, of the, uh, the message that as the church, we better get moving. We, we, we better actually live out our faith right now. We better start obeying. We better start sharing the gospel. And we need to stop copping out. We, all of us, me, you, we need to stop copping out and stop giving excuses while we're not witnessing the way that Jesus has called us to witness. We need to stop. That, that, that it's a simple choice that we can make. It's a matter of, of obedience or disobedience. We need to stop saying, well, not this time or something. No, we need to be who he's called us to be. The truth is we need to get over ourselves. That's the truth. Like, let's get over ourselves. Let's get over what we think living the Christian life is, what we think following Jesus Christ looks like. We need to get over ourselves and we need to start getting into the word of God and following exactly what Jesus commanded us to do. Let's get over ourselves and get moving with the gospel. Why? Because I believe our point number one, just as, as Stephen knew, the first church knew, we need to remember it as well, that the gospel is a treasure to hand out, not to hoard up. Can you imagine? Can, can you imagine if, if your kids, my kids, your grandkids, if, if they... If they found out at the end of your life that you had something you could have given them their whole life and you never shared it with them, can you imagine how that would make them feel? Can you imagine if they, they knew that you had uh, so, so, some blessings, something that would, would change their life, that would help them in their life, that would, that would push them forward in their life on this earth? If your kids found out that you had that potential to give them that gift at the beginning of their, their, their adolescence or the, at some point in their childhood, and it would change the direction of their life for the rest of their life, and they found out at the end of your life that you had it the whole time, but you never shared it with them, how that would make them feel. There's nothing more valuable that we could ever give, not just our kids or our grandkids or our spouse, but our other family members, our neighbors, the people that you see every day for eight hours or 10 hours or 12 hours, and you work with them. You oh, say, so I don't really like them. <laughs> Start praying for your coworkers then. Start praying for your heart with your coworkers. But it, 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 what if one day, this is an interesting thing, right? There have been times, there's a couple of illustrations that come to mind. There's times in my life where I've experienced um, just kind of bizarre turn of events. Uh, one of them was when I, when, we were, when I was a kid, and we lived in Justin, and uh, we lived in a, in a trailer park that was kind of a, a circle. It was almost a circle, but, um, and we lived at the very first trailer that was in that trailer park, and about three trailers down, there, there was a, a family that moved in that had a blue heeler, and 
Anytime that we would try to, there's a trampoline out in the middle of this thing. And we, anytime we try to make it to that trampoline, that blue healer would come and chase us. And then, and there were times that, that we would go up to our, our family uh, friends, and same thing. That, that blue healer would just hang out underneath their porch. Anytime we'd start moving, he would, or she would start running after us. Her name was Killer. <laughs> That's no, it was Killer. So in my, in my mind as a kid, I'm thinking this dog's going to kill me. It wants to kill me. It, it wants to eat us. So we would, we would run, we would sprint, we would try to outrun the dog. And then at some point in time, I don't remember how long it was, it felt like forever as a kid, um, but I remember one time running to, to our front porch, and, and Killer come running up to the porch, and, and I tried to just talk to her. And I was like, hey, what's wrong? She started wagging her tail. And I was, I was like, what? I was like, well, are, how you? and then she started coming up to me and, and wanting to lick my hand and let me pet her and I was like this whole time you know and and so um from that point forward I would I'd step off the porch and I, and I look and and she'd just come running wagging her tail not chasing me wanting to eat me anymore and I was like that's so crazy just just me talking to the dog and, and it just changed another turn of events that happened to me was I, I had uh, before I was in ministry I worked at a bank and uh, there was, um, over in Hewlin, there was the motor bank, and there was one walk-up window. It was actually two windows, and um, so I worked in, for, for a, a season, I worked in the walk-up window, and it was glass enclosed, and so it was me and, and, and another person. Well, it, there was only two guys that worked out of all the people, me and another guy, and uh, this, this lady came in, and she was the new employee, and uh, she did not like me for some reason right off the bat she was she was just catty and ugly I, I didn't I didn't say anything to her I didn't treat her I, I was just hey how's it going you know I'm Kyle you know like first from the first day she came in she had it set in her mind she did not like me and she was ugly she would say catty things she would say all kinds of stuff and I and I was like why is she being like this well about a month before I left because I transferred to another branch about a month before I left Maybe that, now that I'm saying it, maybe that was it. She knew I was leaving. Um, uh, she, she, start, she started being nice to me, and I don't, I don't know what changed. I had I talked to her about the Lord. I'd, I'd invited her to church. I'd done all those things. She was just catty, mean, ugly, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, but she just started being nice to me. I don't, I don't know what changed. The reality, the reason those long illustrations I, I, I share is sometimes we don't know what our relationship with, with somebody is going to be like in the future because you're an employee that you don't get along with or, or or you're a family member that you're not close to or, or 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 whoever your neighbor that you never talk to you never know if they're going to be your best friend in the future or that you're going to go to lunch with them every single day or whatever in the future you, know, you don't know how things are going to change and so if we have this treasure that god has commanded us to give to everybody we need to make sure that we're giving it to everybody second corinthians chapter 4 says this therefore having this ministry by the mercy of god we do not lose, lose heart but we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways we refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with god's word but by the open statement of the truth we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of god paul's saying look we're, we're just living our lives for him you can look evaluate our life examine our life we have no underlying we're not trying to get money from this we're not trying to get fame from this because that's what the accusations were we're not trying to do any of these things. We're actually just trying to give 
people the truth. We're trying to follow Jesus Christ. It says even if our gospel is veiled, it's ve- it, it makes no sense if we're not giving the gospel out because it's, it's veiled to those who are dying and going to hell, perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves. We aren't out there trying to, to build our own brand or trying to make ourselves famous. That's not, Paul says, not what we're doing. But Jesus Christ is Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sakes. For God said, for God who said, let the light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure, it's a treasure in jars of clay in these earthen vessels to show that the surpassing power belongs to God, not to us. He's given us the gospel, the light. It's transformed our lives and we live our lives to share the gospel with those who are dying and going to hell because the God of this world is blinding them. And the only hope that they have for not dying in their sins and and not going to hell is the same light that shined in our lives. So we have the responsibility to make sure it shines on those who are in darkness. And it works. It still works today. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says that. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to, the, to everyone believers, the Jew first and also the, to the Greek. But I want you to look back in, in verse 40, uh, 54, if you have your Bibles there. Again, it said they were cut to the heart. You remember last week, if you were here, they, they heard what, what Stephen was saying and he, that he, had, he had put the, the, the sin... On their shoulders, they had to own it, and they didn't like the fact that they were faced with their own sin. And the Bible says they were cut to the heart. It means they were convicted. They were full of fury. They were full full of hatred towards him. But we have to be prepared in our lives. We have to know that's what the Word of God does. When we share the Word of God with people, no matter how loving, no matter how gracious, no matter how merciful that we share the gospel with people, share the truth with people is, no matter how gentle we are, the word of God is still quick, it's still alive, and it's still powerful, just as Hebrews chapter 4 says. It says the word of God is living and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the division of soul and spirit and and of joints and marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him who, whom we must give an account. Again, this, this thought brings fear, uh, not, not, a, not a, a, a fear of, of judgment and going to hell for the, for the believer. It, it brings a, a holy fear, a reverence to God. It does bring a, a, a dreadful and a, and, a, and, a, and a death-ridden fear to those who are dying in their sins and on their way to hell. That's why so, so many unbelievers today in the climate, in the culture that we live in, with all the things that are being pushed in our culture, so many people who are without hope are afraid. They're afraid to die. They fear death. I pray that we would have the faith to share the gospel no matter what it costs 
The gospel that still cuts to the heart of the sinner. The gospel that still has the power to change lives. Stephen faced death. He experienced death. He actually went through it. The church would go on to experience great persecution. We're about to see. The, the, it wasn't just one isolated event. This was, was, was the, the, the pushing of the, the, the little snowball that was about to become a major, major problem for all of these believers. Again, think about what's going on in America today. It, it seems like there's little balls of snow that they're trying to push, right? There's little things that they're trying to, uh, to, to, to come at the church with. To, when we talk about liberty and freedoms in, in America, so, some of our brothers and sisters around the world have no idea what we're talking about. But there's certain things that if you have a discerning spirit, if you have a, a little bit of, of understanding of what Scripture says and what's going on in our world, you know. You could, you could point at a political party. You can point at a person. You can point at a, at a man. You can talk about people all day long. But what we know is they are only instruments. Every single person, an instrument, either an instrument of, of righteousness unto God or an instrument of unrighteousness unto evil. Satan, if you say, well, that's, that's anti-God, that's anti-biblical, that's anti-Christ, that is, that is going against what God says is right in his word, then you can be sure, no matter what the face of the person is, Satan is behind it. Man just doing what man, man, man will be allowed to do. But Satan is the influence if it's evil. So where are we going to experience that in our lives? We'll see how big the snowball gets, I guess, before we leave this place. But what I'm saying this morning is, regardless if we see the snowball overwhelm us or not, we need to be prepared. We don't need to think, well, that's not going to happen in our lifetime. It's not actually going to become illegal to go to church in our lifetime. Remember what I said a couple weeks ago when we referenced what happened last year? What's still happening today? There are some churches that are still in legal battles after paying, listen to this, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines to worship the Lord. Somebody said, well, yeah, but man, that's, they, they should have done what was, listen, Every pastor has to stand before God and give an account for what they choose to do as the under-shepherd of the flock that God has made them overseer. They're, every pastor has to do that. And if there's a pastor in some, some state or some area that, that feels as, you know what, this is being used because these places that are places of sin are allowed to continue. And they're telling us as a house of God, that we can't continue. That's evil, and that's wrong. We must obey God rather than men. And because they made that stand, some of them have paid an, a, a tremendous price. So if we don't think that it's, it, it's actually possible, to, I said it last year, man, I praise God we live in Texas. <laughs> but will it always be like that? Will it change in our lifetime? Paul, again, who was Saul in our text, he would go on to be a warrior. And we'll see this in this study, but he would further say to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we're afflicted in every way. Same chapter, he was, he was talking about 
that we have this treasure in jars of clay. We, we have this ministry that we're serving God with. We're not doing it for men. We're, we're doing it for God, and we're doing it sincerely. We don't have an underlying motive. And then he says, and it's not a cakewalk. <laughs> Paul, Paul, Paul reveals to them, look, this is not easy for us. We're doing this, but I want you to know that we're afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're, we're, we're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but we know that we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but not destroyed. And every day, all the time, we're carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also, uh, may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who, are, who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. Think about that. That's the, that's the way Paul was saying to them, look, we're, we're used to this. We're used to going into a town and getting ran out. We're used to getting uh, stoned in cities. We're used to being thrown in jail. We're used to being on the verge of death, always bearing about the death of Jesus Christ so that his life is seen by other people. We we're doing this all the time so that death, even though it's at work in us, life is at work in you. Verse 13, since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed, and so I spoke. Isn't that so simple? That, that, that's exactly what Paul said. Look, we have the same spirit of faith, just as it's written. What was written? What is the spirit of faith? The, the spirit of faith unto salvation. Well, I believe it, and so I have to speak it. What kind of faith is it that doesn't prompt you to share it? Charles Spurgeon, Spurgeon would say, have you no care for others to be saved? Then you yourself are not saved. That, that's Paul saying, look, we believed and so we had to speak. If we believe that there are people who don't know Jesus and, and, and we come across them, even if they could kill us, they have to know that Jesus is their only hope. And we are the vessel. We believe. We know that he's the only way. So we have to speak even if it costs us everything. We also believe and so we speak knowing that uh, he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also <laughs> with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. So that was Paul, what Paul was standing on. Even if we die, he rose from the grave, and so we know he's going to raise us. We're not fearing anything then. For it is all for your sake, so that the grace extends to more and more people. It may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose hope, he says. We don't give up. We don't lose hope. We don't get discouraged and down because this is our life now. Though our outer self is wasting away, literally. We've we got bumps and bruises and broken bones and, and we're, we're really beat up every day. Even though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. How, Paul? How are you still encouraged every day you get up and you want to go into the same city that just stoned you? Why do you want to still do that? Why do you want to keep going? Why don't you just go back home? Take care of your family. Have your job back. Do you, live your own life and then die and go to heaven and, and, and be good. Paul, Paul says, it's a light momentary affliction. It's just a moment. And this light affliction that we deal with, momentary, it's preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not at the things that we can see but to the things that are unseen because we know that the things that are seen are transient they're temporal they're here they're going to go away 
Well, the things that we can't see, they're, they're eternal. That's how we can live a life, no matter what we face, sold out to Jesus Christ. Knowing that no matter how bad it gets for us, it's only temporal. Maybe, maybe you're there right now. Maybe you're struggling under the weight of afflictions, not persecution, but afflictions. You've got health, you've got relational, you've got financial, you've got, you got, you got all kinds of stuff weighing you down. Just remember, all of this is momentary. And, and Paul said, all of it, no matter how hard or no matter how bad it is, it's all light. When you compare it to the great weight of glory that Jesus is preparing for us, there's, there's no comparison, he says. Stephen could be faithful like this. Paul would be faithful like this. The question is, will we be faithful like this? Will we hand out the gospel? Will we proclaim it? Will we share it? Or will we hoard it up? Do you know how to get to heaven? Do you know the only one who can save? Do you know the gospel? You say, yes, I know it. I believe it. I've accepted it. Then don't hoard it up. Let's not hoard it up. Let's give it out. I'm heartbroken be honest with you, and I'm, I'm going to get one point again this morning. But I, I have to share with you, I, I, I'm, I, this is not a light thing. This is a very heavy thing for me. It's something I pray about, but I, I'm heartbroken to think of the many people that I've hid the gospel from. It's not an easy thing to think about. It's not something that I enjoy thinking about. How many people that I've had the opportunity to share the, the gospel with that I haven't? It's hard to think about. And I, I pray that, that God in his grace um, will show me grace by sending a faithful servant to proclaim to those people that I didn't proclaim to. I don't want those people that I passed up to go to hell. And so I pray that somebody, faithful servant, We'll share with those people that I didn't. It, it, it breaks my heart to think that one day I'm going to stand before the Lord and someone might see me being comforted in God's presence. And that they wouldn't say, like the rich man did, hey, send somebody to tell my family, but I, I'm burdened to think that they might see me being comforted. And ask me the question, why did you never tell me? You lived by me for X amount of years. You never once said that there was a way to heaven. You worked with me for 20 years. You never once invited me to church. Not once. You talked about church. But you never said there was a way that I could be forgiven of my sins. And it bothers me. I don't want to finish life like that. I don't, I don't want to finish this race like that. I want to finish like Stephen. I want, I want to finish the race that God has for me here, sharing the gospel and not hoarding it up. I want to be a faithful servant. I want to be one that God uses to to, to, to reach those maybe that have been passed up. I, I want to be the one that God uses. I want to, as Scripture says, I want to yield myself as an instrument of righteousness unto God. I, I, that's, that's what I want. I pray that's your desire.
to be that vessel that is sharing, that cares enough to share and not pass up the people that God brings in our life every day or that we see every day. I want to encourage you this morning. If you say, man, I, that's me, and I'm afraid of that too, Brother Kyle. I, I, I talk to people every day. I work with these people every day. I see my neighbors every day. And there's people that I haven't even said hi to, let alone invited to church, let alone said that there's a way they could go to heaven. Pray what, what I'm praying. God, give me a burden for souls like you have a burden for souls. Because if we're living with that burden every day, we can't pass them up. And as awkward and as difficult and as strange as it may be or what we might think it may make things in the future, we've got to care more for their souls than we do about what happens after the fact. That's what Stephen did. That's the way I want to finish. So yeah, but man, what if, what if I do that at my job and then they tell my, my boss and I get reprimanded or even worse, I'll lose my job. Paul said a while ago, we're afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed. We're not driven to despair or persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but not destroyed. And he would say, even though we face all these things, we know that it's just a short amount of time. And so you're saying that you want us to live life like that so that we lose our jobs and we can't provide for our family and we can't do that. I, I'm not, Jesus said, unless you forsake all. Is he, is he mighty to save? Is he mighty to, to forgive you of all your sins and wash them as white as snow? Is he mighty to take you to heaven after you die, is he, is, he, is he mighty to save? He say, yeah, I believe that with all my heart. Then his promises are true. He will not leave you or forsake you. He, he knows the numbers of hair on your head. He, he knows the plans that he has for you, for a future and a hope. All those things are still true, even when we go through negative things. Now, I don't want to see anybody lose their job. I don't want to see anybody die like that. But we've got to stop living for ourselves and living for this world got to start living like we're leaving this world and i pray that you're challenged as i am and if you're here and you've never been transformed by the, the gospel if your life has never been changed because you surrendered it to jesus christ or you're watching online i beg you don't don't leave here today don't turn that computer off until you talk to somebody if you're watching online reach out to us email call us if you're here come down this altar or stop at the back don't leave with questions about eternity. But Christian, let's let today be something different. Let's let today be the day we say no more. I'm going to recommit my life to being a witness for Jesus Christ. I'm going to recommit myself, no matter what it costs me, to being that, that witness that leaves it all on the line for him. There's great reward waiting for that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for all that you do, Lord. Again, as I've prayed, that you'll start with me and that you will, first of all, forgive me, forgive us for being selfish with our time, for being selfish and hoarding up the gospel. It is a treasure. Lord, it, it, it changed my life. It has changed 
so many in this, this room's life. And God, we know that we're not supposed to hoard it up. We know that we're not supposed to keep it to ourselves. We get busy, we get going about our days, we have things to do, we have jobs to do. And sometimes we just, we, we, we get the tax, all, all the, the different responsibilities we have in this world, we get them all done. And, and we've not done anything as far as sharing the gospel with anybody. Lord, help me, help us to change. Um, let's, let, help us never to, to live like that again from this point forward. Lord, help us to share the gospel. Help us to live like we're leaving this world. And uh, Lord, I pray you just move now in this invitation as we respond in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand as he plays, I want to encourage you to come.